Okay, I'm talking about how to lead a ministry time. And, okay, so, how many of you are senior pastors? Can I just see hands, quick? How many of you are worship pastors? Can I see your hands? Worship pastors, a few. Okay, good. So here's my first thing. Ministry time starts potentially in the worship. Not at the end, but in the worship. Okay, and we actually experienced this this morning. Um, if you are looking, if you're ready, there can be moments that come in the worship that become uh, your initial ministry time and they open up the doorway for everything that happens afterwards. So um, most frequently, it kind of goes like this. You're, you're, like, you're going through the songs. The worship team has their set. They've practiced and they've rehearsed. And you get to one stanza and all of a sudden, that stanza is on fire. You know, you probably sang it 10 times before, but today, it's on fire. It's like people are reacting to it physically. Some of them might be crying. You can tell that it's really relevant to them. And when that happens, if you can see it, that's the beginning of ministry right there. Okay, that's the beginning of ministry time. And what you don't want to do is be in that moment and then go to the next song. What you want to do is park on it. At least, at the very least, repeat it a couple of times. Even better is maybe, you know, if you're a worship leader, you say, God is here right now. Let's, be, let's wait on the Lord for a few minutes. Are you with me? Now, one of the things that's key is worship leaders, you're, you have to open your eyes because if you have your eyes closed, you cannot see what's happening with the people that you're leading. And so when the spirit starts moving on them, you won't see it. So you have to open your eyes. Also, you've got to have the house lights high enough and the spotlights low enough that you can see their faces. Otherwise, you won't even know. You won't know what's going on. And you'll miss the moment. Um, a couple other comments on this is just, sometimes you might be singing something like, He's, he sets us free from our fears. Well, let's say that's the lyric, and you get there, and it just really hits. It's sort of like, oh, yes, that one is really, you know, what you, what, what the ideal outcome at that moment is that the person leading the worship says, you know, I think today in particular, God wants to set people free from fear. If you are here right now, and you've been fighting fear, just raise your hand right now, and we're going to pray. And you pray right then. Okay? You can do that right in the middle of the service. Ministry time's already started. You're going to have people crying all over the room. And, they, and the wonderful thing is it takes 
two minutes. Like, you're still going to be able to keep your contract with your children's workers about the ending time. Okay? You know, that might mean they don't sing the last song that they intended to sing at the end of the set. But you know what? If God is with you in that moment, nobody's going to care that you didn't sing the last song. Besides which, the definition of momentum is leaving them wanting more. So... You know, um, just a couple other things about what happened this morning. <clears throat> Remember, the, uh, the lady that was singing here told us that she woke up and had a prophetic word, right? Remember that? And as, as she said that, I don't know if you could feel this, but I felt the spirit move in the room the minute she said that. It was like, oh, that's... There's power on that. And she just told us that it happened. And then they started singing. But as she started singing, it just, it felt like we were still being drawn into that thing. And finally, I came up here and told her, I said, look, you, you need to like speak with authority about the thing that you had the word about. Like you need to use your prophetic authority and speak freedom over us for five or six specific things that God will give you. And then she started doing it, and it was incredibly powerful. So that's the first ministry. That's, that's sort of the beginning of ministry time. That doesn't have to happen every Sunday. But you know what? It should be true that it could happen any Sunday. <laughs> um, so that's just the beginning of ministry. Now, when you get... <clears throat> to the end, and most of my comments will be directed towards non-Sunday morning settings. I'm assuming that maybe you have a worship and praise night or a worship and healing night or something like that from time to time, or you're at a conference or something and you want to do, do a ministry time, or you're with a small group um, or something like that, then you want to do a ministry time at the end. So here's some steps and thoughts, and hopefully we'll get done in time. You can maybe ask some questions. Whoop. Okay, I thought I lost my mic for a minute, but it's still here. Uh, you have to figure out, it, it's, well, it's helpful. You don't have to, but yet it, it's very helpful if you have a sense before you start the ministry time where you're going, what path you're going on. Because... The path you're going on in ministry might determine the way you facilitate the thing. So, for example, if you feel like today the Lord's agenda is healing, and there, there will be days or situations like that, you'll feel like what God is doing right now, and this is always our question in the vineyard, what is the Father doing now? What is the Father doing now? So it might be that you, you walk in the room and you just sense it's healing. Tonight it's going to be about healing, okay? If it's healing, that's going to dictate what you do from there. Because if it's healing you want to do, here's how you probably want to run it. You're going to want to, number one, get one guinea pig, one sick person, in other words, somebody to demonstrate on, up front, 
you know, and usually you can use a sympathetic sensation or something like that to kind of give you a little head start. But if you can't, you know, just call out people with back problems. There's always a lot of those people. Um, you know, just, just somebody, anybody who's got something that you can pray for and then, and then pray for the one person. But when you pray for them, you want to let everybody watch. And then when you start the prayer, you don't just jump right in. Instead, you have the person share, you know what you're going to pray for, then you invite the Holy Spirit. Then when the Holy Spirit comes, well, let me put it this way, you wait for the Holy Spirit to come, and while you're waiting, you look to see where the power is. Because always in healing, it's going to take power to do it. And you need to know where the power is. It's not automatically going to be you. I'll tell you a story to explain what I mean. A few years back, just before the pandemic, there was a, a big, somewhat rich church that was uh, from Michigan, which is like uh, maybe 150 miles from Chicago where I live. And they were wanting to learn more about healing ministry. And so they were having... A, they had me meet uh, with about 25 of their key staff people. And when I first met them, I, was, I spent the whole afternoon talking to them about healing. But when I first met them, the number two person in the church, the, the, the chief assistant pastor, a young guy who's in his early 30s, told me that he had injured his ankle or his foot in some kind of athletic accident and he had had multiple surgeries on his foot and, you know, plates and screws and this and that. And they'd done all, they, they were out of options and he was in constant pain to where he couldn't walk any kind of long distance and couldn't run at all without excruciating pain. So after we talked a while, I said, well, let's just pray for him. Everybody knows he's got this condition. Let's pray for him. And so I said, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. And they, of course, they all closed their eyes because they weren't vineyard people. They didn't know any better. But I had my eyes open. And when what I was looking for was where's the power? Because if that foot's going to get healed, I'm going to need some power. We're talking about moving bones and maybe some plates <laughs> and whatnot. Okay, so I'm, we're going to... We are still, okay. okay. I think I'm holding it wrong. I must be doing something wrong. Um, so I'm just looking around the room. Where's power? Where can I see power? And then I finally spot the youth pastor. And, you know, he, he was over in the corner, and he kind of looked like a youth pastor. And, but his hands were swelling up. You could see them from 10 feet away, swelling up, turning bright red, and dripping oil. The oil was literally making a puddle on the floor, dripping off the tips of his fingers. And I said to everybody, hey, look at those hands. There's power on those hands. And everybody, their eyes pop open. They look at that. And I said, let's get those hands on that foot and see what happens. <clears throat> so the guy goes over, touches the guy, and 
almost immediately, his legs started shaking violently. I mean, the whole leg. And he's saying out loud to the group, I'm not doing it, guys. I'm not doing it. I'm trying to stop it. I can't stop it. I'm not making my legs shake. I'm not doing it. This went on for about 10 minutes, you know, and then I kind of told the youth pastor how to pray. You know, I, I didn't have, t I didn't have time to explain to him about speaking to the pain and then to the condition and all of that. So I just, you know, I told him what, just said, say what I say. <laughs> and uh, long story short, the guy was completely healed. And the key though, is that, was the thing of waiting and looking for the power, okay? Are you with me here? So if you're doing, if you're going, if you're going after healing in a ministry time, you wanna invite the Holy Spirit to come and then you wanna look. You've got your first person here, you're gonna look for the power, find the person who's got power on them. Get them up to pray for them because if, if you've invited the Spirit and this person has power flowing through them and it's very obvious, your odds of something happen to go way up. Once you finish praying for the first person and everybody sees it and they get healed, then you can do a general empowerment and then everybody who's sick stand up and then just let everybody loose and have them pray for them and you're off and running because... That, but the key is the first one. You have to lever in ministry times, it's really important to learn how to leverage the small into the bigger. You start small. Almost always the work of the Spirit starts small. It's rare exceptions where you start right off and it's bang. Most of the time he starts really quiet, really small with one person, and then from there it spreads to other people. Okay, so you start off figuring out the path, and if it's healing, you're gonna go that way. If it's empowering or release of spiritual giftings, which is also one of the things you might be wanting to do in the ministry time, you're gonna, then you're gonna do just a general invitation to the Holy Spirit to come on people. You ask everybody to stand, you know, and you're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come, and then you're gonna start calling out people as the Holy Spirit starts coming on them and getting people to bless that so that it increases. Um, you know, sometimes you might feel that uh, <clears throat> what the Lord ultimately wants to do is deliverance from something emotional or spiritual. If you have a situation like we had this morning where the, where, you know, because it happens in the worship and there's a really, the room is already kind of vibrating with the power of the spirit moving around, you can just jump right to it. But if you're starting from scratch, um, you might wanna just pray for the spirit to come and then wait and then not pray for deliverance till you get to the, to the top of the first wave. I'll say more about waves in a minute. Okay, so pick a path. The second thing is invite the Spirit, and I, and I encourage you to keep it simple. Like, come Holy Spirit is still one of the best prayers in the book. Um, sometimes I will, before I pray Holy Spirit, is I will, I, have, I will do some things to help people be receptive, particularly if they're newer. So here's some of the things that are important. 
you have to tell people not to pray. Okay, because you want them to be receiving. When they're praying, they're giving. So sometimes it's really hard to do a ministry time with Pentecostal people because you invite the Holy Spirit and they all start going off in tongues. And the problem is, They'll be, they'll be praying in tongues, but they won't be receiving the thing that the Holy Spirit most wants to do because they're, they're literally giving, they're giving, they're not receiving. So I'll tell people, be still and know that I'm God is what the scripture says. This is a time to be still. Don't pray. I'll pray, you receive. And then sometimes I'll help them, you know, like take on the body posture, put your hands in front of you. Um, sometimes I'll add, you know, um, don't compare yourself to the person next to you. You know, this is, it's, it's, a, it's a customized process always. God, the Holy Spirit knows what you need and he will proceed accordingly. Um, so don't compare yourself to other people. Any other things there? Yeah, just depending on where they're coming from, you know, when you try to defuse their fears a little bit. You know, the first time I saw John Wimmer, he just said, you know, everybody just stand, just relax. You can open your eyes or close your eyes. doesn't make any difference. Very matter of fact, which was very, um, you know, kind of calming. And when people are relaxed and calm, they're, it's more possible for them to receive then you have to wait and this is the thing that I think most of our vineyard people are the weakest in at this point compared to where we were 35 years ago we just don't wait as long um, you have to wait John Wimmer would wait really long times I mean a lot of times he'd be waiting and I would think nothing's happening Nothing's gonna happen. Nothing's happening. Like this room is like dead. We've been waiting quite a long time already and nothing's happening. And he would keep waiting. And then just all of a sudden out of the blue, then the miracles would start taking place and the room would go up for grabs. So you have to wait. While you're waiting, it's really important to be looking for signs of power and listening and praying for prayer direction. You know, what's the next thing? What needs to be prayed for? But when you're waiting, don't add more words. Don't add more words. You have to you pray, come Holy Spirit, and then don't add, just wait. You know, and we're often so uncomfortable with the silence, but you need the silence. Part of it is helping people, giving people just enough space to settle down and actually get into receptive mode. Um, part of what we are when we're doing these things is we're midwives. We're helping these people. We're facilitating something with them for them to make a connection and be able to receive from God the Father. So you have to wait. Um, one other thing about waiting, you're looking for signs of power. And, and what I mean by that is when the spirit moves in power, it's real power and there are physical side effects on about 90% of everybody. There's 10% of the people that have no side effects. I don't know why. 
just their bodies just like don't react like everybody else. It's sort of one of those mysteries of creation. I don't know. But most people have, a, have they sense something when the Spirit's coming because it's real power. They'll get hot. And when they get hot, they turn color because their blood vessels start dilating, trying to get rid of the heat, or they start sweating and they start getting beads on their face, or they hunch over because they feel a weight coming down on them. And if they're standing, you can see them hunch over, or their breathing starts changing, or their hands start reacting, they start swelling up or turning color or shaking, or their legs start shaking. And I'm watching for all of those things. They're like, they're not the thing that God is doing, but they are side effects of the thing that God is doing. And it tells me where the power is coming and where's the spirit moving. So you're looking for that, but watch out for a couple of things. Watch out for people who wanna help God out. Okay, and if you get enough practice with this, you'll understand this. Some people really, 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 really wanna have a profound experience with God, but they feel they need to help God out, so they will actually make themselves shake. They'll like shake their hands or something like this voluntarily in hopes that that will mean that it sort of primes the pump kind of a thing. Um, and uh, so I, will, I usually try to look for things, for signs of the spirit moving that you can't fake. Like, it's very hard to make yourself get really hot without running in place for quite a while or piling on a lot of clothes. So I look for things like that. Also, there are always, you know, in, in most churches, particularly vineyard churches, there are some intercessors and prophetic people that will react to every time you say, Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, um, you know, anything close to that, and they're gonna go off like a lightning rod. Don't, don't get misled by that. <laughs> Just let them have their party over there, okay? Um, what you wanna focus on on the other people who aren't the lightning rods. Um, Start small and build. So one person will lead to the other. And um, so very often uh, we invite the Spirit to come and there'll be like one person that the Holy Spirit starts moving on. Then you pray for that person. And as you pray for them, you know, as people put their hands on them and you pray for them, it gets stronger. Now, one of the things I like doing is getting other people involved in praying for the person who's that first person. Because proximity becomes contagion. It's, in ministry time, it's the opposite of social distancing. What we want is reduce social distancing, get them close. And the closer they get, the more hang things happen. Like there's this guy who came in our church and he was still checking the church out, wasn't sure what he believed yet. And one Sunday he was watching and there was somebody getting prayed for in front of the church and they were trembling just slightly, not dramatically, but they were trembling. You could see they were trembling, kind of like this, just trembling a little bit, not too bad. And I saw him watching it. So I said, what do you, what do you think is happening up there? He says, I don't know, I'm curious what's that. I said, I think 
Maybe that person's getting healed of something, that's, and there's power going through them. That's, that's why they're shaking like that. He says, oh, that, that's interesting. I says, you wanna, wanna go up and get a closer look? And so he said, okay, yeah, sure. So I got him up close. When he got within about 10 feet, his hands started shaking. And he's going like this. And I'm thinking, I said to him, what ha what's happening? My hand is shaking. And I said, mm. he says, and I can't stop it. My hand is shaking, I can't stop it. Oh, I says, so now God's putting his power in your hand. I says, I guess so. And I said, maybe God wants you to help out with the healing that's going on with this person. Why don't you go up and touch them? So he goes up and puts his hand on them, then his whole body's gone. Okay, so what I wanted was for him to experience the power of God for himself, right? But it was the proximity and then the touching that opened him up to having that happen. Are you following me now? So if you're trying to facilitate a ministry time, one of the early things you wanna do is you get that first person they're experiencing the presence of God. They're, the power of God's moving through them. Then you draw the other people in by having them pray for each other. And you, a lot of times, I might, I'll tell them, don't say anything, just touch them. And God will give them more. So that way, if, what will happen then is that as they're touching them, some of them, it will start to happen to them. The Holy Spirit will start coming on them. And then you start saying, oh, look, the Holy Spirit's coming on, on Susie now. Let's pray for her too. And oh, look at Bob. There he goes. And, and pretty soon you got 12 people in the room going. And you make like a big daisy chain. By the time the evening's over, you've gotten to everybody. Or at least half the people prayed for the other half. Um, and it'll build. Um, sometimes in big gatherings... Your first person might not be a person, it might be a row or a section. Um, so like in a gathering like we're in right now, uh, I will during the whole worship, announcements, you name it, I'm like looking around and I've got my body tuned into the spirit, trying to discern where the spirit's working because sometimes you'll see the Holy Spirit resting on a whole row of people. And they don't maybe not even quite realize it, but you can actually see it on them. And so then you start with the whole row. Like we'll have the whole row stand up. And then boom, you know, it, because it's already going, when you call them out, it's gonna get stronger. And when people start touching them, it's gonna get stronger yet. Um, so sometimes you can start with the whole section or whole row. Then the next thing is you bless what God is doing. You look and you see what God is doing and you bless it by putting your hands on it and praying for more. You know, after come Holy Spirit, more Lord is one of our favorite prayers. You know, if you listen to me on the inside, mostly you would hear come Holy Spirit, more Lord and get them. <clears throat> All right, let's see. Sometimes, you know, as you, as you get going, like you've prayed for that first person, you've had some more, oh, there's a bunch of people now in the room, 
being receiving the Spirit. It'll get beyond your ability to call it all out or one by one. Then there's several things that can happen at that point. One of the things that can happen at that point is you might feel led to call up people with a specific reaction to the Spirit or people who have specific needs. Uh, so, for example, everybody is standing. We, you know, we've prayed for the first person and then the next one and the next one. And then there's now the Spirit's starting to move on a whole lot of people widespread. Then I might say something like, uh, everybody that has this need, we want to pray for you right now. Step out from where you are, come to the front. Just in the coming to the front, they're making themselves more receptive. They're saying yes to they're saying a yes to God by just coming to the front. We focus prayer on them, and that becomes really strong. Um, it can be um, something like uh, people who have a specific call, like you know, the first day yesterday, we just called up everybody that feels called to church planting, you know, at, at a certain point, and up they came. Um, so it could be that. Sometimes you might call people who have a particular kind of reaction. Like you might say, let's say you wanted to pray for people to be empowered for healing. You kind of get the ball rolling. People, people, everybody's kind of in a receiving mode. Spirit's moving across the room. And then you say, everybody that feels heat or tingling on their hands, come to the front. Okay? So because that's what you want to pray for is healing, which is going to be on their hands. They're going to come up front, you're going to pray for their hands, and there'll be like a big whoosh, kind of a big big outpouring of the Spirit on those people for that thing. And they, they're, they're, they end up coming because they, they sense in their own body that the Holy Spirit has actually already started doing that. And you can do that with healing or prophecy or evangelism or all kinds of things that God might be doing through people or particular kinds of gifts that God might want to increase in them. Once they get up front, that's often a good point to release other people to pray for them. To, you know, if you've got, uh, you know, particularly in a vineyard context where most, a lot of people have been gone through some kind of prayer training, you might invite people to come up and start praying for them. And they can then take it from there. Let's see here. Now, I want to talk to you about waves and expansion. Because generally when you're going through any of this kind of ministry time, as you go, it's going to start really quiet with that first person. It's going to build. That person's going to have bigger reactions. It's going to spread to more people. As it does, people will have more different reactions. Some people will be shaking. Some people will be hot. Some people might start crying, you know, and the level of intensity will increase and it will be like a wave that will increase like this. And when you get to the top of the wave, when it's super intense and, and the, the biggest chunk of the room is in a highly receptive mode, that's you, when you want to pray for the most important thing that you feel led to pray in that moment. You want to pray it at the top of the wave. Just one thing. Not five things, because they'll all get lost if you do. Just one thing. 
And if you pray the one thing and you can see that it hits a lot of people hard, then pray it two more times. Like, it's like driving a nail in. Just drive it in deeper. You know, if, if, if there's power on that prayer, then like pray it again. Then what will tend to happen is after a little bit, it'll get quiet again and it'll, the wave will go down and it'll be quiet. And a lot of times the mistake is we quit. But if you will wait, keep waiting, encourage the people to keep in a receptive mode. Let's all keep waiting. God's not done with us yet. You keep letting them do that. There'll be a second wave. And the second wave will be more powerful than the first one. Because everybody's starting off at a higher level. See, they're, they're already engaged with the spirit, a lot of them. They're already, you know, there's already this interchange happening. They're already opening up to the work of the spirit. And so they're starting at a higher level. So the second wave will be more powerful. And a lot of times in the second wave, that's when God goes after the big stuff. You know, he'll give them peace and love and joy the first wave. When you get to the second wave, it's time for surgery. <laughs> you know, let's, let's get that fear of man out of you. Let, let's, let's go after that thing, you know. And then sometimes you can get a third wave even yet more powerful. And at the third wave, you'll be doing healing ministry for traumas, you know, from their past and, you know, and callings into significant ministry. And, you know, uh, in the U.S., we had uh, a national conference just before the pandemic in Denver. And I remember one of the younger pastors came up to me at the end and, and they said, you know, I was sitting in the back and I thought nothing would happen to me. But when the third wave came, the Holy Spirit came out. She ended up on the floor screaming in the third wave, not expecting anything. But the third wave was so powerful, it was just knocking out all the people that were trying to hide in the back. And they, they, he just you know, took them all out and uh, did whatever needed doing in those places. So you, you, want, you don't want to end the waves. You know, when there's a, there will come eventually a point where you just feel like, okay, you know, the Spirit's done what he wants to do. It's, there's like a feeling of completion. It feels like a settledness, like, okay, we're where we were supposed to get. And then you can let it rest. But in between waves, usually, the feeling is there's more to come. It feels unfinished. And in that in-between part, in between the waves, I'm asking God, What's the main agenda of the next wave? Because I'm expecting at the next wave, I'm going to pray some kind of group prayer that's going to hit a bunch of people at once in a significant way. And so I'm asking in between the waves. First wave is kind of, like I said, the warm-up, the, the anesthetic to get us ready for the other parts. All right, let's see here.
Again, I just want to say, you know, in the process, be careful not to pile up too many words because that kind of can clog up um, what God is doing. Now, I want to say something about worship music. Um, you know, I started off saying, you know, the first ministry time could happen in the middle of the worship. But if you're doing an actual ministry time, like at the end, don't call up the worship band. Okay, because that confuses people about what mode they're in. Instead of receiving, instead of be still and know that I am God, they start switching into worship again. And so I... Generally, I'm trying to ride at least two waves, maybe three. And if they start the music, I'm going to be done. I won't get any more waves. Because everybody changes modes. They start, they start giving back to God in worship. Because that's what we do in worship. We're giving to God. But they're not receiving anymore. And I want to keep them receiving for a little bit longer. There's a place for giving to God, but there's also a place for receiving. And I want to keep them receiving a little longer. So I don't generally have any worship. Um, besides which, if you don't call the worship band out, God might actually have a chance to do something to them. You know, so it's, they're kind of like the senior pastors in some ways. You know, like they're all the time helping everybody else and nobody ever, they never get to be on the receiving end. And so it's really nice for them. So... Generally, I will not use worship. And besides which, pretty frequently, the worship band is too loud for me to continue leading from the front, and it's too loud for people to hear the prayers of the people that are standing next to them to pray on the floor. So only when we get through all the waves, and I'm sure all the waves are done, and we're at that kind of afterglow phrase, then some nice quiet worship can be a nice way of responding back to God in thanksgiving for the wonderful things he's just done. And we, we'll let them come up at that point, but not during the ministry time itself. And one other thing just about this is that, you know, I grew up Pentecostal, and in Pentecostalism, there's a lot of manipulation, and they use music to manipulate an emotional stance. And what I loved about the vineyard was that we would go straight from nothing to miracles with no music and no hype and no manipulation. Um, it helps people know what's real. Um, so I just, I just think it's very helpful to have some sense of like, when is it really appropriate for worship? Don't use worship to cover up the fact that you don't know what to do next. Like, if you don't know what to do next, then wait and ask. And just wait. You know, and I do that a lot. Like, okay, God, what do you want to do here? And then we wait. And people can tolerate it. And usually it doesn't take that long. It's all right. Just ask God. He'll, if, he'll, he'll come through for you. I want to say one more thing about prophetic ministry. My church uses lots of prophetic ministry. We've got some amazing prophetic people in our church. We do it a lot. 
but in big settings, not very much. And one of the reasons is simply that it's just not that useful in a large group because you end up, a prophetic pers person picks somebody out and they start prophesying to them. Most of my prophetic people, if we pick out one person, they can go for a half an hour on that one person. Okay, because I've taught them how to do that. And so like, you know, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna get one or two people in and then everybody else is just standing there watching. So it's just not very helpful, except to those two people. And so what we do is we'll do a more general ministry time and then we just encourage the prophetic people, like in the ministry time, if you've got words, just go up to the people and give them the words to them directly. But we're not gonna put you on the front and have you pick people out because you just can't do enough of them fast enough. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. Um, in a small group, it can be a little bit different. If you if you got ten people in a room, then that's a different ball game. You know, you can you can literally, probably in a small group meeting ministry time, you could have a prophetic person just prophesy to every person in the room, and everybody else just jumps in and becomes a part of it and prays for them, and it can be a wonderful experience. But if you got a hundred people in the room, not so much. So give some thought to that. Now I want to say. One other little part is seven ways to experience the Holy Spirit in a small meeting. Okay, this is for all of you that are leading small groups or have other kinds of small meetings. Seven different ways to experience the Holy Spirit in a small meeting. One, have one person share a need and then have everybody pray for them. Invite the Spirit to come, wait. Look for the person who has the power. Have that person take the lead in praying for that person's need and then have them lead the prayer and everybody else becomes a part of it. And then you can go on to the next one. Very simple, can be very meaningful. All kinds of things could happen in that context. There could be prophetic words, there could be deliverances, there could be healings, all kinds of things can happen. And you know, it's not that hard to facilitate. Just have one person share a need. Um, two, have a general prayer for all the people in the group who want a particular spiritual gift. Like, uh, let's just pray for everybody who wants this gift. One time, uh, this is years ago now, but we had a small group in our house and we had about 35 people come to this small group. So it wasn't that small of a small group. And, uh, you know, we would have a little bit of worship and then we would wait on the Lord. And we were waiting on the Lord and I said, you know, like, does anybody have anything that they think might be from God? I was looking for some prophetic words or a scripture or something that people would contribute. And nobody had anything. Like, nobody had anything. It was like crickets. Nobody was saying anything. And I was mad at God. Like, why don't you talk to us? You know, why don't you ever give us any prophetic words in this group? And God said to me, well, why don't you release some prophets if you want prophetic groups, prophetic words? Oh, you mean, <laughs> this is like a lot of conversations God and I have. I think it's his problem and it turns out it's mine. <laughs> so I just said, everybody that wants to receive prophecy, stand up. And there were like six people said, stood up right away. I want, we want to receive prophecy. So I put them in a line 
and I raised my hand to invite the Spirit to come and release prophecy on them. And before I could get the words out of my mouth, the power of God hit them. Those people were knocked backwards three feet. They all, all six of them smashed into the wall of our house and then slumped onto the floor and they got prophecy. <laughs> and they spent the next two hours giving prophetic words to everybody else in the group. Okay, so you can have a really great ministry time in your small group by just like, let's pray for everybody who wants fill in the blank in terms of some kind of spiritual gift. It could be prophecy or healing or evangelism or leadership or whatever, anything you can think of. All right. Um, three, you can have everybody in the group share words of encouragement or visions with one person in the group. Like put the chair in the middle, the hot seat in the middle, and then everybody in the group has a go. And they just say encouraging things to them or share visions or words from the Lord. You know, usually you wait a couple of minutes to let everybody like ask God, what could I share with this person that would encourage them or bring comfort or healing to this person? So you just, you prime everybody that way. We're gonna ask God to give us something we could say that would be encouraging for Joe here or would comfort him or healing. And you, you don't, don't, don't dress it up that they have to be that sure that it's God. You want to set it up that it's just they're, they're getting an idea from God after a couple of minutes of just being still with God of how, what they could say to the person, and then they just have a go. <clears throat> we used to do this kind of thing with our youth group. My youngest son... had one Christian friend uh, in the youth group that was the same grade as him and didn't know any other Christians. So the two of them decided to start a group for all their non-Christian friends. They called it the slacker group. And they invited all kinds, they just <laughs> invited <coughs> all the biggest slackers they could find. And we'd end up with 20, 30 teenagers in our basement every week. We spent thousands of dollars on pizza. <laughs> but the interesting thing is they would do this thing. They would like, you know, just put somebody in the middle of the room and then everybody would say encouraging things to them and, and they'd start prophesying. And literally, I'm telling you, kids who were not yet believers would start prophesying and healing the sick in that group. Uh, because that's what we did. <laughs> And then later on, they would come to faith along the way. But they would actually kind of get into the thing. They just thought, oh, this is really cool. Nobody ever does this with me. And so they become a part of it. All right. Um, you can have a lot of fun with have everybody in the group reflect back to one person what they think their spiritual gifts are. And just take turns around the group. And, you know, as, you, as that happens and that comes out, you end up praying for people. Uh, five, you can pray for everybody who has a particular kind of need or problem. Like, <clears throat> everybody that needs a job. Everybody that's having trouble with their kids. You know, whatever it is. You know, you can just do, do it like that. Um, in a worship time, you can encourage people to offer up various contributions. 
in worship and prayer, like a scripture verse or a short prayer or a poem or a song or something like that. Or number seven, you can do the same thing we do in the big group, which is start with one person, invite the spirit to come, and then do the daisy chain with the whole group. All right, what time? I think we have time for questions. Do we have somebody with a mic that can run around with, I think Chuck's gonna take the mic and he'll take it to you so we can hear questions if you have questions. Anybody, raise your hand. You have questions. Hiya. Um, I've got a question uh, with <coughs> regards to leading an online group. Um, could you speak towards leading an online group uh, and sort of trying to facilitate some ministry time in that respect. Oh, how to do a ministry time with an online group. Um, I mean, the biggest, you know, the biggest difficulty, of course, with the online group is there's no touching. It's very hard to, you don't have laying on of hands. And you're losing an awful lot by not being able to touch. <clears throat> you can do pretty effective prophetic ministry if you have some prophetically gifted people with an online group, because all they need is to see their faces. But a lot of the other things I've been talking to you about don't really work online, is what I would say. Some of the things could do, you know, like sharing encouraging words for one another, that kind of thing, that could happen, that could be good. But I don't think the other things necessarily would work that well. Somebody else? There's one over here, too. You said about seeing the Spirit um, on a row of people. But, I mean, how, how would you actually see that? As in, like, okay, how, how do I see the spirit? Or how, how would we expect to see that? And, and how can we even cultivate that? Like being able to see. How do you be able to see? Yeah. First thing you have to understand is when I say see the spirit, I'm actually talking about seeing with physical eyes. I'm not talking about some kind of spiritual eyesight or prophetic insight. I mean, if you have prophetic insight, great. That's just extra. But you can see the Spirit by physical observation. Because when the Spirit starts moving in people, it's real power. It affects their bodies in a physical way. And you can see the side effects of that physical thing. And I watch, in particular, their heads, their ears, their faces, their eyes, their hands, their posture, their breathing, and their legs okay and um, if they get hot for example they will show all the symptoms of somebody who's getting hot if they're like a white person they're going to turn red you know because um, you know their blood vessels are basically dilating trying to help get rid of the heat you know same thing happens to black people but it's harder to see um, but you can see the, the uh, you know, sweat comes out on them or something like that. You can see people like hunch over because they feel this weight on them. You talk to them, they'll say, I feel a weight. You can see them hunch over a little bit. It's the weight of the spirit coming on them. 
It, it means there's power coming down from on top of them onto them, and they're feeling that pressure. It's an actual pressure that they feel. Their body has to respond to the pressure to keep from falling down. You can see that. Um, sometimes their breathing changes. They don't almost like become very shallow, completely still, or they'll get really hyperventilating, one or the other. Um, you can get trembling in the different parts of their body, particularly hands and legs, they'll start trembling. You see them shaking. So I'm, I'm looking for those things, physical symptoms, as it were. Does that make sense? Okay. Another question. What are some of the helpful things to do when building a culture of waiting on the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> Just do it. You know, I think, I think you, know, you know, what I think happens is, you know, sometimes we don't have the culture of waiting because we're afraid that nothing will happen. But if you do it and then stuff happens and then you do it again and stuff happens and you do it again and stuff happens, hopefully you get less afraid, you know, and it becomes more of a culture like, well, of course, when we wait on God, things come. Like, sometimes it's crazy and sometimes it's quiet, but God is always working. Like, so, yeah, you just got to do it. Just you build a culture by repeating it a lot. Thanks. Um, one of the things you said was about um, looking for visible, uh, visible signs of the manifestations of the Spirit. How would you develop another leader to see what you see during this ministry time? Or is that something you, you, you shouldn't do during that time? I don't think I understood the question. So, so when you're looking at of the visible manifestations of the Spirit, so physical um, reactions in someone... Is that a time that you can develop another leader to see what you're seeing in oh, yeah. order for their development? Oh, yeah. I do that all the time. Like, I'll, I'll literally, like, you know, pick somebody out and say, everybody, look at that person. You know, look at what's happening to their hands. Look at those hands. Stick those hands out of here so we can all see it, you know. And everybody's learning. Like, I'll tell them, look, look, don't you see that? You see that? You see that happening? Put your hand there, see what happened. I was, uh, there was an Anglican church here in town I was with this last weekend, and on Thursday we met with their youth group. And uh, they were playing games, actually, before we started my part. They were, you know, it was like a youth group playing silly games. But I saw the Holy Spirit fall on one of the kids in the middle of the game. Because it's all of a sudden, just for just 15 seconds, Maybe, maybe 30 seconds, not very long. I just saw, whoop, his whole face went red. And then it lifted, but I saw it. And I thought, Holy Spirit's doing something with that kid. So when we got time to go to the ministry, I picked on him. And I mean, I got him in front of everybody. And he was just about to fall over. I mean, he was going tottering before I could get a word out of my mouth. It was, it was, the Holy Spirit was coming in really strong. And he got a hot spot on his forehead. 
Um, people will get hot spots, like really hot, like a little circle that's really, really hot, hotter than the whole rest of their body. And you can feel it actually as much as two feet away from them. You can move your hand around. It's not, not hot here, not hot here, really hot right here. And he had a hot spot. And so I just like started calling on his buddies, you know, these teenage boys. Hey, you, come over here. See where my hand is? Put your hand right there. What do you feel? And he says out loud to everybody, oh, it's really hot. And I said, yeah, well, why don't you ask God to give him more? And we're off and running. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. Does that answer your question? Yeah, okay. Chuck. Um, so do you ever get over the fear of like, say if you think or you, that you get, you're getting a word from God from, for someone and then you kind of don't have the confidence to kind of speak it out, do you ever get over that? Because um, oftentimes I might get a word for someone and then not, actually not have the confidence to say it because I'm thinking, oh, I could be wrong. Or maybe it's just me and thinking that this is for them, but not actually. Okay, that's a great question, which almost everybody has. You know, uh, I, it's pretty normal when you start learning to listen to God. You know, our first question is, what if it's not God? But my answer to you is, what if it is God and you didn't do it? If it's not God and you gave it a go... What happens? Nothing. Maybe you're a little bit embarrassed, but that won't kill you. You know, but that's all. Nothing happens. And it's all right. You gave it a go. It didn't turn out. No problem. But what if it was God and you didn't do it? I mean, literally, I mean, I, I hear constantly from people, this person came up to me and they gave me this word and it changed my life forever. I hear hundreds of those stories all the time. What if we didn't do it? So you know what I recommend? Just do it all. And let God sort it out in the wash. Like swing at every pitch. Like whatever pops in your head, say it. You don't have to say, this is the Lord and I know it's the Lord. Just, just say it like, Hey, I had this idea, I had this impression, I had this, I, I thought I had this picture that might be meaningful to you. I think it might mean this. You can, you can talk about it like that. If it's God, it's gonna have plenty of power. You don't, it doesn't, you don't have to like add extra words. It'll have plenty of power. And so, you know, you're not, you're not like pushing them or manipulating them. They still got room to test the thing, but you should just try everything. Because generally what I find is if you will try everything, you will find out that most of what you've been holding back on is God. And the scariest bits are the most important ones to say because that's where the greatest power is. So you really just kind of have to die to like being in control. You see, like we want to be able to check everything out with God first and then decide if we want to do it. That's not how this works. No, this is a walk of faith and risk. You know, you've surely you've heard the phrase, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Have you heard that? 
Yeah, it doesn't work in any other language, but it works in English. <laughs> you know, it's just risk, and you just got to become more of a risk taker. And so my feeling is you do it, and then you find out if it's God. You don't get to find out ahead of time. You find out if it's God after the fact. So you just got to do it all. And what? And the, the question is, what if it was God and you didn't do it? Like, it's not that big of a deal if you thought it was God and it wasn't. And besides which, you'll never really know for sure because sometimes you, you give somebody a word and they say, oh, I don't think that's me. But actually it was them and they're lying to you. They're just too embarrassed to admit it. So you'll never know for sure, but it doesn't matter. It's in God's hands, you know, whether you made a mistake or not. It's, it's okay. Just do it. All right, a couple more questions. Um, <clears throat> notice in the Bible, there's sometimes there's a distinction between um, the ministry of angels and the ministry of the Holy Spirit as well. I just wanted to know, in your experience, have you ever noticed that distinction in ministry times and... Like what it looks like. Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm trying to decide how much I want to tell you. I'm going to put it this way. In the book of Revelation, it tells, well, in one place it says, the light from one angel lights up the whole world. One angel killed all the firstborn of Egypt. One angel destroyed the army of the Assyrians in a night. But in the book of Revelation, there's a scene where there are millions upon millions upon millions of angels. And the Son of God comes in and they all fall down and worship him. The power of an angel is enough to scare the liver out of you but it is nothing compared to the power in the Holy Spirit. I've had experiences with angels that scared me and the people with me to the point where it was years before we could speak about what happened. But it was, it's nothing compared to the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about the angels. If you're lucky, you don't see one. I don't know if you've noticed, but you know, every time an angel shows up in the Bible, they have to start off and say, don't be afraid. And every time an angel shows up in the Bible, the person that they showed up to, what comes next is big time trouble. So I wouldn't be asking for that. 
Like, I wouldn't be asking for that. Learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit. There's more there. There's more there. People, there's more there. We have not begun to explore the depths of what is actually available to us in the gift of the Holy Spirit who is with us right now. And with that in mind, shall we just try a little bit of a cleaning time? Would you like to try a little ministry time? Stand up. Let's see what happens. Can I get the spotlights off and the house lights up? Is there any chance of that? Is that possible in this room? Ah, great. Now I can see your faces. So when you get to this point in the ministry time, you don't need the spotlight because the spotlight's so you can see me. We're done with that. You don't need to see me. I need to see you so I can see what the Spirit's doing on you, okay? Oh, he's already moving. All right, let's see here. Oh, yep, there he is. See the Holy Spirit coming out of her back there? Now, the interesting thing is I felt the movement before I saw the person. Yeah. More, Lord, more. Now, break the power of striving. Lord, just break the power of striving. Take all the striving off. All the not being good enough. Yeah. All right, let's just keep waiting. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Okay, like this front row right here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven people in a row. Holy Spirit's resting on all seven of them. So let's get seven other people from that section. Come over here and pray for these people in this section. Front row. Just put your hand on them. Pray for more. Yeah. There's prophecy on the guy in pink. It's prophecy and dreams on the guy in blue. That young guy on the right with the lighter blue jeans, there's healing power on his hands, so make sure you pray for his hands. There's teaching on this guy in the dark jumper. I think there's intercession on the guy in the gray at the end. Do you want to pray for intercession on him? Okay, so more, Lord. Here it comes. Here comes more. <laughs> the people praying for them are feeling the power right now as they're praying for them, aren't you? Here we go. Lord, break the limits. 
Break the limits. Show them how much more there is. Yeah, this lady over here, she's getting, she got in on it. Lloyd's touching her. Okay. The Holy Spirit's coming on that lady in the black back there, about halfway back, right on the aisle, on the, on the right-hand side. Yep, she's got something around her neck. Yep, that one, that one. She just pointed at herself, that one. Pray for her, somebody. Put your hand on her. Oh, oh, yeah, there's a woman right in the back. Holy Spirit's coming on her so strong with evangelism. That lady in the white in the back corner. Evangelism. Lord, open her, give her eyes to see who is ready to hear. <laughs> yeah, and key, an important part of the gift of evangelism is the eyes to see who's ready. When they, when they start running and shaking like that, when they're running in place like that, that's evangelism, folks. That's evangelism. That's coming on her. She might not think of herself as an evangelist, but everybody wants to talk to her. <laughs> and the Lord's going to do something with that. Give her more, Jesus. Yep, and there's going to be healing power on that, too. There's healing power on her hands. Yeah, okay. Now, that was the first wave. Did you sense that? Did you sense how we went? We went up, 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 up. Really intense. Now we're going down the other side. Keep waiting. We're going to wait for the next wave. Okay, everybody that feels they have a call to intercession, to intercession, you, go, you often get that thing in your stomach, that energy in your stomach that makes you double over and bend over and cry out. You know, you, you've, you, you've heard this call to intercession before. I want you to come up here to the front. I want, to, I want the intercessors up here. People with a gift of intercession, call to intercession, we want you to come. Okay, so if we're going to see a big outpouring of the Spirit, it's got to start with the intercessors. And God's been calling a lot of people into intercession. Be because, you know, that's what it's going to take to see the degree of power that we're looking for. So, Lord, release your power on the intercessors. Here we go. 
there are often with intercessors these cries and these tears, these groans even, which are actually prayers. They're prayers. They're, they're like prayers that they're praying out to God, that their spirit is giving out to the Lord, crying out for the Lord to show himself, crying out for justice, crying out for outpouring of the spirit, crying out for peace. Holy Spirit's coming on this lady in the gold kind of cape thing right there, second row, black lady. Yep, her, Holy Spirit's coming on her. Yep, and the Holy Spirit's coming on the tall, skinny black dude on the aisle that asked me the great angel question. Let's pray for him. Yeah, oh, look at the, the, see the lady on the other side of that aisle in the red kind of plaid top. See, there's a lot of power coming on her hands right now. I just think there's a healing thing that needs, that's God's trying to release in her, healing power. Now, the rest of you, I, I want to encourage you now, look around a little bit, some of you. See if you see somebody the Spirit's resting on or moving on, and then just go to them and pray for them. About half of you can pray for the other half. See if you can see the kinds of things I'm seeing. Look around, see what you can see. And if you see the Holy Spirit starting to touch somebody in some way, go and pray for them. Intercessors, you can go back and get in on that too if you like. Yeah, see that uh, this lady here in the in the black on the third row in this section right here, Holy Spirit's coming to her right now, really strong. And the lady behind her, directly behind her. Yeah. 
That lady directly behind her, I think there's some evangelism in that one. Okay, so we're well over time. If you're praying or getting prayed for, I think you're free to keep going at least for a while. Uh, the rest of you, you're free to go and uh, do something else and come back this evening. <laughs>